Welcome to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast, weekly doses of language learning tips and motivation to help you become fluent in any language. With me, Ollie Richards. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Right. Today, we've got a thought-provoking episode, if ever there was one. I am speaking with Simon Robinson. Now, Simon Robinson is a friend of mine in Japan. In fact, he lives in Okinawa in Japan, which is a place, uh, the place that dreams are made of in Japan. It's a Pacific island in the South of the South Pacific. And he lives there. He's lived there for the best part of 20 years. Now, we, Simon and I have never actually ever met in person, but uh, we've, we've been sort of chatting back and forth online about various things to do with Japanese. And, uh, Simon is a very interesting guy because he's been involved in a lot of the local community activities where he lives in Japan. So he's been involved in working with um well he's, he's an english teacher so he teaches in the, un- the local university there in okinawa but he's also got a, like a long history of being involved in things like um, teachers groups um progressive educational projects um and more recently he's been picking up the mantle of the extinction rebellion movement which many of you will be familiar with uh in recent months um, as the group who have been sort of gluing themselves to trains in London and stopping traffic and causing all kinds of nuisance, um, but for a very important cause. And Simon's been involved in these in this in this movement in Japan, and it's like the latest in a string of activities that Simon has been doing to get involved in what you might call social action, social activity, social activism, maybe, however you want to call it. But the important thing is that he's found huge benefits in his language learning. And today, what we're going to be doing is discussing just how much being involved in these projects and these groups and and these activities has had an impact on his Japanese. Because if you are someone listening to this right now who feels strongly about a social issue of some kind, then it may well be that that will be a perfect way for you to kind of harness your language abilities and uh, apply them to something that you really care about. It's a very fascinating, uh, very, I can't say very fascinating, it's a fascinating discussion. Um, and I hope you get a lot out of it. The audio quality isn't the best throughout, I'm afraid. We did our best, but we are on opposite sides of the world and we were at the mercy of Skype. So please forgive us for that. At the end of the episode, Simon is going to give you some contact details. So if you want to get in touch with him, you can. He's a very interesting guy, very um, open to, to to communication as well. So if you'd like to talk to him further, you can. Also, very importantly, before we start, I'd like to thank the wonderful sponsors of the show, italki, who keep the lights on over here. And um, they've been supporting the show for many, many years. And italki is the place where you can find language teachers, language exchange partners, informal tutors, whatever you want in someone to help you practice your languages. Italki can put you in touch with that person. It's like a marketplace for teachers, a teacher search engine, however you'd like to call it. You can get a free lesson by going to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash free lesson. And now without any further ado, here is my discussion with Simon Robinson. Okay, I'm here with Simon Robinson all the way in sunny okinawa simon how's it going uh it's going well we just entered the rainy season um yesterday but actually uh it was surprisingly sunny for the first day of the rainy season today so it's pretty nice i got a little sunburned we should probably explain to people where okinawa actually is for the for, for people who aren't familiar with that part of the pacific 
uh, the Pacific yeah, Ocean. So o- where is Okinawa? Okinawa is about a thousand miles from Tokyo, um, in a kind of southwest direction. Um, it's approximately halfway between the the sort of south tip of Japan, Kyushu area, and Taiwan. So, yeah, and it's pretty much in the middle of the ocean. It's kind of a long string of islands. Uh, I think it's a, voc- a volcanic um, along a volcanic fault, but we don't really have any volcanoes, so. I'm not quite sure about that. Uh, but yeah, Okinawa is a small island. It's about 100 kilometers long by only about 5 or 10 kilometers wide. It's long and thin. Uh, in the beautiful Pacific Ocean, we have coral reef. And uh, the, the, in the summer, with the, with the sunlight on it, the ocean is fairly ridiculously beautiful. Yeah, I've seen pictures. I mean, I, from all, my, all the time I spent in Japan, I never made it down to Okinawa. Um, I'm probably more likely to go there on, on holiday from the UK than I am than I than, than I was to kind of go there back when I was living and working in Japan with um, the generous allocation of Japanese holidays, as I'm sure you're you're familiar uh-huh. with. So, give us a bit of background about you. What 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 uh, what's the um, what would your Wikipedia page say if you had one? <laughs> I'm assuming you don't, <laughs> I don't have one. Though. I don't have one yet. <laughs> uh, yet, um, uh, it would probably say that I grew up in England. And then when I was 22, once I'd graduated university, um, I decided I wanted to travel, go live in a foreign country, learn a new language. And I picked Japan mainly because at the time I was doing a lot of karate. Um, so as it turns out, I came to Okinawa, the uh, home and origin of karate, and it's really hot here. <laughs> and so I arrived in summer and it was so hot, I was dying in the dojo. And I took a little break, I thought, because I was just too hot and dying. And in the meantime, I got into surfing, and that's kind of what I do now. And I, I've never really gone back to karate. Um, so, and um, once I got here, I was I got here in 1997, and I really couldn't speak any Japanese, uh, but I was very keen to learn. Uh, I'd spent a little time in France after I graduated university, and so I, I enjoyed that experience, and I was looking forward to learning new language. So once I kind of got here, I got stuck into learning Japanese, and that was 1997, and it's now 2019. So that was 22 years ago. Wow, 20, and, 22 years in the Okinawa sounds like sounds like heaven to me. Yeah, I actually lived on the mainland for one year before I came down. I lived. Uh, my first job was in Nagano Ken, and after that, I came down to Okinawa, and I've pretty much been here ever since. And what do you what do you do these days? And what do you what, what's your um, how do you describe what you do, either in terms of profession or, or other activities? Uh, my profession is I'm a, an English teacher. At, I teach at university now, uh, Japanese uh, universities, uh, Okinawa University, Okinawa International University, and Okinawa Christian University. Um, I'm a kind of part-time lecturer, so I teach at three schools. And my, what I really enjoy teaching is discussing, discussing social issues and, um, getting my students sort of thinking luckily about, about social issues and kind of critically thinking about the world we live in. And I also teach, um, I kind of teach discussion and debate classes and also public speaking kind of classes. And I also teach some more basic, uh, sort of first year, um, what's it called, basic conversation classes. But that's not really where my interest lies. My interest interest lies with, um, you know, making the world a better place, really. And so that's what I spend a lot of time 
on in the classroom. And it's also something I've been uh, involved in outside of the classroom uh, in Japan. Right. And this is what we're going to focus on today, because we, I mean, to give people a bit of context, we first met, I guess, about a year ago or so when we were, we were, um, I actually asked you or you volunteered, I can't remember how it, how we got in, got in contact, but I was working on some initial concepts for uh, a Japanese version of, of, uh, of my short stories and um, not making much headway on that, unfortunately. Um, but uh, that's something I'm, I'm pushing for, for the, for the future. But we, um, we, we got, you were very generous in actually taking some early samples that we came up with and actually trying them, trialing those, that material out with your students. Because you also teach Japanese to expats in Okinawa, if I'm, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of wound down now. Um, but yeah, for about a year, I was teaching uh, a couple of classes of basic, yeah, basic conversational Japanese, uh, mostly to, well, to expats here in Japan. Um, uh, mostly American military because we have a lot of American military here in Okinawa. And I, was, I also taught uh, a French guy who was running a bar and he wanted a little help um, to be able to communicate with his customers who don't speak English. What does a French um, guy do, How does a French guy end up running a bar in Okinawa? <laughs> um, it's quite, a, quite an international community here, actually. Um, there are a number of... We have a, a big research... Um, what it's called there's a big research japanese kind of research institution and that brings a lot of international people though i think uh this french guy actually was traveling in australia and met his now wife and she's okinawan and so that's how he ended up in okinawa the, the world is such an interesting place and, and um so to, to to bring this then to what we're going to be talking about today like I, you know i've been in since 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 we met i've been really impressed with the amount of thoughts that you bring to the stuff that you do, you know, when through the conversations that we've, we've had is it's clear to me that you really think quite deeply about what, in how you approach classroom teaching, both in terms of teaching English to your Japanese students, but also in terms of the approach that you've been taking or that you were taking to helping these, uh, these American military people in Okinawa with, with, with their Japanese. And so when you emailed me recently with a, uh, with a, with this, to tell me about what you, something that you've been thinking about and working on. I thought that was very, that was very interesting because, you know, this is one of the a stage that I've often found myself at with languages and, and something I'm feeling very acutely now with my languages actually is that, you know, I've spent many years learning languages. I've learned quite a lot of them, but I'm, you know, now that I'm kind of back living in the UK, I'm constantly running into this big question of, well, what are these languages for? What am I doing with them? And am I, continuing with all of them i mean am i actively trying to improve them i'm kind of in something of a kind of existential crisis with a lot with most of my languages actually wondering like what what are they what are they all for you know now that i'm kind of established here and speaking english every day and so um i i know that a lot of people are in similar situations people who who are you know living at home but learning foreign languages and um I think this is especially true once you kind of get reach a certain level of proficiency. Let's say you kind of get to a, you know, a decent intermediate level and you hit that plateau where it becomes very difficult to really improve much more unless you've got extensive contact with native speakers. And it's a well, well known phenomenon called, called the intermediate plateau. And, you know, I think it's extremely difficult to break through that if you're not living either in the country where the language is spoken or really immersed and surrounded by that language. So 
what you emailed me with, I thought was very, very interesting because not only is it very topical uh, and slightly controversial, which I also like, um, but it's also a brilliant way um, to to actually think about approaching your language learning um, in a way that really has the power, I think, to kind of break you through whatever barrier or plateau you are you're facing. So I'm really excited to dive into this. Give me the outline of what you're of what you're what you're thinking about here. All right. Well, yeah. Um, just listening to you now, um, you kind of reminded me of my own sort of bumping up against this sort of you just got at the intermediate plateau, and that's a, that's a good word. I haven't heard that before, but it's really useful. Um, that happened to me as well, and interestingly, it happened to me even living in the country. Um, by the time I'd been in Japan about three years, I'd gone through all of the textbooks I could find. Uh, I did Japanese for busy people. It was a little dull, but very efficient. And once I'd finished it, it was kind of like, well, what do I do now? Um, and of course, you know, looking back in hindsight, what I, I wanted to, I, I should do, should have done is a lot more uh, content, uh, reading, uh, and listening and watching TV. And that was more or less what I, I did end up doing. And of course, because I was living in the country, I was socializing. I had friends. I went out. I mean, I was young. I was in my 20s. So I was going out drinking and having fun and talking and getting better that way. But even then, I did kind of start to reach a plateau um, where I was very, very good at, um, you know, everything I needed in my daily life. And yet there were huge swathes of the Japanese language, which I really didn't couldn't get to grips with. And actually, uh, another kind of a similar example is that, I mean, I'm married to an Okinawan and our sort of relationship language is, is Japanese. She doesn't really speak very much English. And so even then, I, even there, I kind of, you know, we've been together 15 or so years and I understand everything she ever says. Um, you know, maybe once a week she'll say something. I'm like, what's that word? I don't know that word. Um, and so we've gotten very used to each other and I've gotten very used to the way she speaks. And, I, you know, I'm at native level when speaking with my wife. But there's whole swathes, again, of the Japanese language that I, I haven't gotten to grips with. And then what happened for me, and it was just by chance. Um, this wasn't my great idea or anything. Uh, I got involved with a, um, a kind of a free school. It was quite a big school. It had a, about 100 students. And this was back uh, in about 2001. And all of a sudden, I kind of was in this Japanese language school. There were some other foreigners, but the language of the school was Japanese. And we were sort of trying to remake education, really. We were trying to sort of go back to first principles and think, well, what do we, what do we really think a school should be and what should it do? You know, how, how, you know, how do we interact with the children and, you know, what classes do we teach, if any? And so we're having these very, very um, high level sort of theoretical discussions. And we're also at the same time trying to run the day-to-day -day life of the school. And the school students were all Japanese. And so all of the pastoral care was, you know, being done, certainly by me, because I was quite conversational by that point, uh, in Japanese. A couple of the other staff members who were foreign weren't quite so good, and they sort of muddled through in English and Japanese. Um, and then there's one other interesting aspect of this particular experience which is that there was an amount of conflict and tension 
between the guy who was sort of the 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 I guess the principal. He was sort of in charge. Uh, he he'd set up the school. He it was his money, and he had sort of a, an idea of what he wanted from it and from us. And the sort of problem was that when we were you know in the trenches on a day to day basis. It turned out that what he was asking, you know, at least in our opinion, wasn't really very doable. Um, and so that created some conflict. And um, conflict, being in a, a situation where you have to do conflict in a foreign language is, um, I can't think of a better way to get better at, at speaking and, and also at listening, because, of course, you have to understand what's being said to you. And I think, honestly, the reason for this is the same reason that stories are so effective for retaining new vocabulary, for, for, for learning new words, um, and for the kind of extensive reading and just absorbing the language through doing, which is that as well as being a lie, when you're in a school, you're running a school, it's all in Japanese, and there is an amount of conflict um, and discussion and negotiation, there it's it's a very exciting and very involving uh, environment and so of course you you're you know you're emotionally involved in the whole situation and that's giving you the giving you the hooks that mean that you're really going to remember the language that you come across in that situation and so that i i mean i'd i'd hit a plateau um the sort of intermediate plateau i'd got pretty good at, at talking with my junior high school students in my previous job i'd got pretty good at talking to surfers i got pretty good when I, at talking when i was out drinking but you know i couldn't really read a newspaper i couldn't really follow quite a lot of what was on tv um and suddenly i i, I dramatically increased my ability in in, in japanese just by being in an environment where I was really called upon to participate, to be engaged, to be fully sort of fired up on all cylinders. And um, that's, that, that was kind of my first experience of that. And that, 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 that was a really dr dramatic improvement in my Japanese. And then... Um, just as a, as, a, as a quick comment on that before you move on to the next thing, I think my one, observa yeah, one observation that I wanted, wanted to make was that uh, and you, you see this a lot in stories about language learning and how people get good at their language. Often the time when your language really takes a step up is when you're involved in doing something which, where the language and learning the language is not the main point of what you're doing, right? So if, if you're out with surfers or in bars or something, you're kind of, um, you know, you're, 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 I mean, I guess you're, you're thinking about your language, aren't you? You're thinking about how you can use it. But in the case of the school, really, there are much more um, immediate, much more important things at stake. There's your, your, your working conditions, where you, have, you know, your job where you have to spend every day, but also the well-being of other people around you, other teachers, other students. And so that because that, that's such an important thing that really the language, you, you really couldn't care less whether you're getting your 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 verb endings right or whatever um or choosing the most accurate word or not because it's the outcome that's most important and when you have a really important outcome that you're striving to achieve you're then kind of you're forced to to to, to delve into parts of your brain which you could otherwise leave unlocked um because you're you know in an effort to actually get that point across and so it's this kind of real um real imperative to to communicate very important human needs which can kind of be the impetus to push your language um, up up a step. Yeah, uh, I think that's exactly right. Is the language is kind of second fiddle to 
what's really going on in real life. And and I think you're right. Like that was my experience that that's really the best way to do it is for the language to sort of not be the most important thing you're focusing on. Focus on real life, and the language will come. And so I um I, I kind of after that at school um I uh, went back to working in junior high schools again for a little while. Uh, did a, a year study in England. Uh, came back to Okinawa. And then got involved in another education project. And I don't, I, I mean, I clearly have, you know, a, a strong interest in, in education and particularly the sort of uh, democratic education, sort of unschooling, uh, very free, we could say project based, I suppose, um, rather than sort of set curriculum. Or to put that another way, uh, I'm interested in children learning from life as well as the way I learn from life. Um, rather than, you know, being sitting down with a slightly dry curriculum and thinking, oh, I got to learn this before I can go out and live life. Um, and so because of all that, I got involved in another, uh, I think, I guess my feelers were out. Somebody sent me a, a, a blog post that Simon, I think you might be interested in this. I, uh, went and got involved in another free school. This was much smaller. Uh, I think at its height, we had about 22 students. It was basically run in a residential house. And it was very, actually, uh, I hadn't quite realized the parallels until I'm, I'm talking about it now. But it was very similar in that there were some sort of groups, of, a group of parents who were very interested in setting up the school, but didn't really want to work in it. And then there was me and a few other staff members who were really like, yeah, okay, we'll work in it. Fantastic. And this was completely in Japanese. I was the only foreigner in this, um, in this school and absolutely everything was run in Japanese. Um, with the exception of a, a, an English class here and there, uh, when the students asked for that. And so, again, I was sort of in the deep end. Um, and my involvement, actually, I was kind of involved at a management level this time. I wasn't just an employee, you know, basically there from the beginning, uh, having all the conversations about how do we start a school? Uh, what are we going to do? Um, we don't have a school now. How are we going to get to the stage where we're running a school? And so there was, again, there was, it was from the from, really from step one all these kind of conversations about you know how are we going to make money how wh how much should we charge what kind of contract should we have with the parents and this was all happening in japanese and i was at some points i was doing my very best to sort of keep up and i'd sit there with my dictionary and i you know i I'd quickly tap words into my dictionary as the meetings were going on and made notes in you know of everything that came up and you know I, Again, it was very, very effective. I still remember the the words I learned in those meetings. I'd look up a word and go, right, okay. And I still remember that word now. And um, interestingly, again, there was an amount of contradiction and conflict between the, the, the sort of people who were um, setting up the school but didn't want to work in it and, and the people who were actually sort of doing the day-to-day -day running. And that actually, without going into too many details um that kind of situation simmered along for about eight years um and it was very tense you know when you're running a school with children and parents you know you've always got a lot to deal with it's, it was always very exciting um never a dull moment 
And then it kind of came, but the tensions on the management side sort of came to a head two years ago now, I think, just over two years ago. And sort of things got very, very tense. Um, There were a lot of very long meetings. And um, by that point, I mean, I don't, I don't want to blow my own trumpet and boast. I'm definitely not a native speaker of Japanese, but I can hold my own in in the debates, you know, I, 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 and the discussions. And when it got very heated towards the end, you know, I didn't need to back down. I, I actually, I, I do remember one po- one uh, one particular point where I said something to the guy very po- pointedly, and he just went quiet. He had nothing to come back at me. Uh, was, it, was, was this like, a conflict well, um, was this a conflict between you and other people or were you part of a, a group that was part in of conflict a group. with another group? Okay. it wasn't you versus yeah, the school but... <laughs> no 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 it was uh, I don't want to go into details I'm sure they they feel that I was the wrong person for the school and I kind of feel they were the wrong person for the school you know I don't, I don't want to assign any blame I, like yeah Human relations get complicated, and uh, and eventually I just uh, we the group that I sort of represented uh, left. Um, but again, it was it was just so high high tension that you know I've never forgotten any of those moments, and certainly none of the words that came along with it. And it kind of really um, it, it'd been a long sort of apprenticeship of getting better and better at these kind of discussions. And one other thing I used to do actually, which again was it was very it's a coming back to language learning, it was fantastic for my speaking ability, is that we used to have these kind of, um, I don't want to kai, like a, a sort of study meeting, a kind of explain the school meeting. We had one of these about once every two or three months. And we invited, uh, you know, anybody who wanted to come along to come along. And it was mostly prospective parents who were interested in the philosophy. And again, this this always sort of turned into a little bit of an opportunity for me to explain myself and my views of, you know, I was trying to explain to parents why, for example, I didn't think their children actually needed to be sat down and made to learn kanji uh, against their will. They will actually learn an awful lot of kanji on their own through exposure through living life, through playing computer games. Can, kanji being, point, uh, for, the, for the benefit of non-Japanese learners, kanji being the Chinese characters that you use um, in much of the of Japanese writing. Right, yeah, yeah. and there are about 2,000 of those, and learning in, da- in daily use, and learning them is a little bit of a chore, for sure. Uh, my point was always that the, the children could learn a lot of uh, the, these characters through life and then by the time they got to 11 or 12 or 13 or whatever whenever they were ready for it it was time to sit down and kind of polish their knowledge learn learn them a little more systematically and it's not a particular it is a difficult thing to do but i've learned them as an adult so i'm pretty sure children can learn them when they are actually already native speakers of the language um, but anyway, it, these meetings were a real opportunity for me to kind of talk and express myself. I had a lot of ideas in my head about how I thought education should work. And it was kind of very nice, actually, to have a sort of willing audience of these parents who were quite, quite interested in the idea, but, had, you know, would their children learn to read or stuff, stuff like that. And I was able to um, sort of talk about it in a way that sort of convince them that you know maybe we had something here in terms of our approach to education and of course again i was doing this all in in japanese 
So, you know, every one of these meetings was just a, a little boost on my ability to express myself in Japanese. Um, and so, then it sort of ended. <laughs> yeah. So, so this, I mean, it's, it's this is, it, it's, it's fascinating to listen to. And in many ways, I guess what I wish that I'd had when I was living in Japan, because I was very much in an English speaking environment when I was in Japan and, and people who, um, even in the Japanese environments I was in, the Japanese people that I was there with were there for the express purpose of learning English, usually. So, um, you know, it was, it, it's what you're describing is really fantastic. And I guess, um, I guess it, what you're really talking about here is just learning by, by doing. It's about getting involved in real activities with things that really matter to you, where the language is kind of secondary. And I think a lot of people, when, when they, you know, there's always a, there's always a risk with language learning that, that when you're focusing on the the task of learning the language, all the words I've got to learn, all the all the characters I've got to learn to write, all the grammar I've got to master, now that that can that's going to wear down even the most sort of willing student over time. And so the only real way to kind of push yourself through long term is by doing things that that where you can learn passively getting involved in, in, in activities where the language is not the main point. And, and you've, um, you've described this really, really well. And I love the fact that, um, that you're so kind of emotionally involved in it, that you believe in the, in, in the projects that you're a part of. So maybe what you could do now is take us forward to the present day, because the, the obvious sort of objection that many people are going to have listening to this is, well, that's, that's great, but I, I don't live in Japan and I don't, you know, I don't have, I can't, I can't do this myself. Right. So, um, and for most people, this is true. We, we, we you know, we're, we're, we, we, most of us will live at, live at home. We can't just up sticks and get involved in a, in a social project in a school in on the other side of the world. Um, but you've been involved more recently in something which actually everybody can get involved in and can do I, I'm guessing uh, I don't, maybe we'll get into this. I don't know how practical it is to get involved in in foreign language groups like this if you are in different countries or not. But maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've been up to this summer and um, and how you've how you've been thinking about this project uh, in relation to the, the the learning experiences that you've been describing so far. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my, my latest project, I had a, little, a couple of years where I didn't really have a project and I kind of missed having a project and now I have a project again and I'm happy. Um, and my latest project is um, getting involved in uh, pro, uh, uh, campaigning around uh, the issue of climate change and global warming. Um, and what really kind of gave me the, the kick I needed to get active is is the extinction rebellion um protests in london uh now obviously that's all that was all kind of going on in london and i was over here in okinawa so um the first thing i i, I got kind of motivated and i started reading around the sort of movement and i'm like okay these guys are making a lot of sense and i started getting quite active very active actually uh, on Facebook, just sharing stuff, posting, giving my comments. And at this point, I was doing all of this in English. And that's perhaps the first point where um, I live in Japan. And yet, perversely, I was participating sort of in a, um, in a, a contest movement or a campaign movement uh, in, in England. And so the internet is, is a wonderful thing. 
And um, you can definitely, the first thing is that, you know, just social media um, by uh, posting a little bit. And I made a whole bunch of other new friends on Facebook who enjoyed what I was posting. I made everything I was posting public so that anybody could see it and share it if they wanted to. Uh, and I made several uh, several new friends who I've had uh, for, uh, proper video conversations with. And that's this is kind of something anybody could do, actually. Um, and it obviously doesn't have to. Whoa. Doesn't <laughs> just move the phone. It doesn't have to be uh, Extinction Rebellion. It should definitely be, um, or, or climate change. It should definitely be what you, uh, as a learner, are kind of interested in in life. Um, but you can get involved over the internet. Um, and, and the interesting thing is that although it started with the just you know kind of text-based internet. Uh, sort of Facebook stuff. It, it, as I kind of got more interested, posted, more, met more people, I've been having video conversations and some meetings and actually some trainings um, with a bunch of other people across kind of Asia. Is that training um, yourself how to glue yourself onto trains and things like that? <laughs> what, what kind of training? <laughs> I thought this might come up. Um, yeah, <laughs> they're telling you, I'm kind of interested how they do that. What do they do? Put the super glue all over their hands and then kind of stand there with their palms up and run at the train i don't know um no um very much uh training on the philosophical sort of underpinnings of the movement looking at the civil rights movement uh, in america african-americans looking at uh, uh gandhi um and um yeah an, an interesting on, the, on a side note I, w I will say that in japan nobody thinks the kind of protest that we was going on in London would be culturally appropriate whatsoever, uh, particularly not as a foreigner. I'm not an Okinawan. I'm not a, ja a Japanese. Um, that's really not kind of appropriate. Um, and so it is interesting to, to kind of bring um, concern about uh, the climate crisis to um, and then bring that to a kind of Japanese cultural context and think, OK, how can we do something um that's going to be effective in yeah. japan um but um that, but that is that is interesting on, I, yeah i think that's that's a very interesting observation actually that i mean i because i would i would share your your sort of con your 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 reticence over that i guess because as a i think it's right to be aware of your you know you, as, as a as a foreigner living in japan i think it's it's good to be aware of well, to put it crudely, to, to, to know your place, I guess, isn't it? Even though, to a, to a certain extent, you know, you 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 know, you've lived there for how many years? Twenty two years, is it? Or nineteen years? Twenty two. Twenty two years. 22. Um, so you know, you you've you've obviously you know you've earned a earned your earned a right to to be involved locally. But I could I can see how you'd be uncomfortable um, get, getting involved in any kind of direct action in Japan. Not least because, as you say, it's kind of it's. Uh, I'm going to say it's socially unacceptable, but there is a fair amount of kind of direct action in Japan, isn't there? But maybe I probably don't understand the um, the, the full kind of cultural context of that. But also, you know, beyond beyond the cultural appropriacy issue, you, you know, obviously as a as a foreigner, there are there are things to consider there. So I think that's a I think that's a good um, a good way to look at it. But but you are involved now with Extinction Rebellion Extinction Rebellion Japan. So are you yes. T tie that in for us from a linguistic point of view. Have you started? What is Extinction Rebellion Japan, and is it 
Is it a Japanese language organization? Is it based in Japan? Maybe tell us a little bit about that and how you're, yeah. if and how you're actually tying that in with your Japanese. Uh, yeah, um, interestingly, so there is, there's an interesting kind of issue here, which is, of course, the Extinction Rebellion is a kind of uh, English language movement. And so for Japanese people who, for the most part, you know, a majority don't have good English reading skills, uh, the movement is essentially uh, inaccessible to them. Um, so they simply don't have the, the, the language to be able to read and watch and, and listen and, and understand it. And, you know, what media coverage there has been, and uh, there has been a little bit, but it, it hasn't really delved into the issues. So uh, one thing that I am seeing, and uh, Extinction Rebellion is it's not really an organization, but Extinction Rebellion as a movement is basically a, a group of uh, foreigners like me who've seen the value of it and think and think how can we kind of help make this more accessible to Japanese people so they can make some decisions about how to get involved and there are also a handful of Japanese people who are sort of quite um, well educated uh, with good English skills who've been interested in the movement from the beginning and actually there was a, a lady a Japanese lady in kind of taking part in the protests uh, in England, and she was tweeting about it, and so it was quite interesting to sort of see her tweets, and you know, I think it, that kind of got some Japanese people involved. And so, taking this kind of forward, you know, what's what's Japanese uh, Extinction Rebellion Japan's kind of role? Uh, I see my role very much as helping to make information accessible. Um, I want, I mean, one, one of Extinction Rebellion's kind of uh, principles is to tell the truth uh, about the climate crisis. And I, I, that's kind of, I see that as my job. I don't see it as my job uh, or my role as, as to tell Japanese people what they should do uh, or to be any kind of instigator of, you know, a movement. I just want to make it accessible. And of course, the way I can do that is because as a fluent native reader of English, I can then sort of take material I read, uh, and it's not just uh, connected to Extinction Rebellion, of course, but, you know, many social movements and, of course, um, you know, just a lot of background and a lot of commentary is all in English. And so I can kind of start um, taking some of that and making it into Japanese content. Now, I'm not the perfect person to do that. It's actually better for a native Japanese speaker who can write more fluently uh, and <laughs> write better in, in Japanese. Um, so what I've been doing is, but, but I, I am the person here in Okinawa who seems to be the most concerned about this. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm going to do what I can do, which is take my understandings and communicate them in Japanese. I've been writing uh, some, some of my Facebook posts are in Japanese. I started a group and I post mostly in that on, Jap in, on that group in Japanese. Uh, I have also been making some YouTube videos. I actually started this a little while ago. Um, it's, I can't remember exactly when, around Christmas time, I think I made my first video. And these are, it's kind of coincidence that Extri Extinction Rebellion got started just after I'd released three YouTube, four, four YouTube videos about global warming. Um, but making these YouTube videos were really a, a, an attempt by me to explain my position in about three minutes, you know, the, the sort of standard YouTube video length um, for short attention spans of the Internet 
generation um, and to sort of whip through some the important points. And I also include some links. I put it on the blog post as well um, so that people could kind of follow the links a little bit and see that, you know, I wasn't just making stuff up. This is this is true. And if they have some some English ability, they'll be able to sort of read through the links and check it for themselves. Um, and uh, that was pretty exciting for my Japanese, actually, because uh, being articulate and I wanted it to be high paced and energetic and fun to watch, that required a lot of rehearsal. <laughs> and oh, so you're doing these videos have... in Japanese? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, uh, that was the whole point. Right, is okay, I, uh, sure. I, I wanted to communicate with Japanese people, and so that pretty much requires me to do whatever I'm doing in Japanese. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's a task. Each three minute, four minute video takes me about three weeks to make <laughs> uh, because I write a script. I tried doing it unscripted. It was rubbish. Um, so I write myself a script. I get my wife to check the script and kind of edit it to make it more native like in the Japanese phrasing. I then sort of practice this script until I can really deliver the lines with speed and energy. Then I spend the day recording it and then I've got the editing and adding in images and actually the editing and post-production took a lot longer than i realized i thought i'd spend a lot more time actually shooting video and practicing japanese um yeah video is not something to be to be taken lightly i've I've been uh, here i've been um i've been working well i'm releasing i've got this new series on youtube at the moment called the rules of language learning and I've i've been trying to make it look half decent but it's just like a you know you fix one problem and then you find another just around the corner and it's um and that's even before you get to the sort of editing process but anyway won't go down that rabbit hole um but so 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 you've been making these videos in japanese and, and you've been and you've been writing blog posts as well in japanese um no, I've, I'm going to. I'm in the process of switching over. I got very involved. I, I wanted to do from afar what I could do with for the Extinction Rebellion sort of protests and just just getting involved in the debate in English. But I realized that ultimately, I, you know, I live in Japan. I feel, you know, a, a lot of involvement in my local Okinawan community, and I want to help um, bring this stuff into Okinawa and into Japan for, you know, the Okinawan people, the Japanese people to, to do with as they will in a sense. Um, so it I'm seems like a fantastic switching. Yeah. It's, it, sorry. We've got a bit of a delay here on the line, I think, but it's, um, it, it seems like a, a fantastic opportunity. I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm just approaching this from a, from a kind of purely, um, linguistic sort of perspective. Um, but it seems like a really great, project to be kind of repurposing information from english into japanese and because you've got the content there already right and, you, and it's got a very practical outcome one of the one of the, the the problems i think with with your kind of classroom reading and writing activities in general is that there's no realistic outcome to the activity you're kind of reading for the sake of it but what you're talking about here is actually taking the information whatever it may be and then converting that into Japanese, maybe rephrasing, reformulating it, repurposing it in different ways in order to communicate a very clear message to a specific audience. And that's, that's got all the hallmarks of a, of a real kind of um, top class language learning activity. I mean, activity kind of undersells it really, doesn't it? It's a, it's a whole kind of holistic (laughs) thing, but it, you know, I, I I can only imagine how, 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 what it's going to do for your Japanese if you keep this up over, over a period of time, and and I, and I suspect you will, because it, it being something that you care about 
a lot, again, you're going to be motivated to keep it up. And we can see how all these different things are kind of tying together here, you know, with this, this, con- this combination of, of, uh, of a topic that motivates you, language... Uh, <laughs> The language is almost irrelevant, really, isn't it? But it's you know you've got the, the content that motivates you, um, the cause that you that you feel strongly about. You've got a local community of people that you want to communicate with. I mean, it really is uh, a fantastic way to to, um, to 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 go about you know improving your Japanese. And um, I, I guess what I'd like to do just to as we start to draw this to a close is. is um, and I'm, sorry, I'm sure you've got you've got so much more to say on the topic, but I, I'm kind of conscious that. I want to try and make this as 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 practical as it can be for people who are, are not living in the country where they are with the language that they're actually learning. So I wonder what advice you'd give to people. Um, I mean, we, we could potentially use Extinction Rebellion as a as a as a little little case study. I mean, p- people should obviously feel free to sort of choose their own um, their own causes of of choice here. And um, but let, let's imagine this might be a useful way to think about it. Let's imagine that you were now back in the UK and you wanted to keep up your Japanese and this cause, obviously when this, when when this comes up, you're you're just as interested in it. It's just as meaningful for you. How would you go about doing that and tying that into, to Japanese from afar? Or what advice would you give to somebody who's, who's thinking, actually, you know what? I I could, I, I have a cause that I'm passionate about and I'm, and I'm learning another language. How would you think about tying those things together if you're not living in the country itself? For sure, yeah. And I do think that um, the inter- the first thing I think I would do back in England if I wanted to continue my Japanese study and get involved in this or a cause, it, I would find some communities on Facebook online and just join the communities. They'd be Japanese language communities and... I would join in. I would, you can start by just reading the posts to see what, what's being said. That's, you know, great reading practice because, of course, you're, you're, you're involved in the topic. You care about the topic. So that'll motivate you to keep reading, to read more. And then, of course, um, you, you're going to want to post um, your own thought. Hopefully, you'll be making friends. You, you, you'll be able to post to groups. And so you'll, you'll be posting in Japanese and getting feedback. Uh, it'll be feedback on content than language um but you'll, you'll be um posting in japanese language uh, facebook groups for example and other japanese people will be liking and commenting hopefully and you'll be able to get into discussions uh and from that you'll probably uh, hopefully you know especially if you put you're putting yourself out there you'll be making contacts you'll be making friends people will be following you on twitter um and in my experience that that led quite quickly to you know several people sent me messages saying hey uh, do you want to chat like i'd I'd just like somebody to talk about this um i think if you were lucky enough that the movement you are involved in is happening mostly in english language uh but with some interest from japanese people then that's a perfect opportunity for doing what i'm kind of doing which is synthesizing and uh, making material more accessible you could be translating videos you know if you if you enjoy translating and you like to try to or you enjoy writing in the language you're learning then taking material from your native language and 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 writing it in 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 japanese for me that's fantastic writing practice because you've got content right there 
And obviously, uh, if it's going to be sort of publishable, then you, you're going to want some editing. So hopefully one of the people who you meet online is going to be willing to say, hey, I love, you know, I love your, your commentary on the stuff that's gone in in England in Japanese. That really helps us, you know. And then you can say, I think I might need a bit of help with the editing with the Japanese. You know, anybody willing to kind of help me write some blog posts? And so essentially what you're doing is getting a little bit of language tutorial for free um, because people are interested in the content and they'll, they'll be interested in helping you. And that, that's great for your language. And you've uh, also earned it as well, I guess. It's, 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 that's the great thing. By, by putting that stuff out into the world, you have actually earned you know, people's help in, um, w- with that. It should, I guess you, you feel, I guess I can't imagine you feel like you're sort of taking advantage of people in any way because people are appreci- oh, so no. appreciative of the, the work that you're doing. Yeah, I mean, you're genuinely providing value to the world and somebody is going to help, you know, help you add value to that value. Um, and then, of course, if you get into making some video or some commentary, if you enjoy speaking and trying to speak, then you could maybe make some YouTube or whatever, which is or a podcast, which is what I've been doing. Again, Japanese people will be very happy with the the access Wonderful. Uh, that you're kind of providing. Um, if, on the other hand, the, the 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 issue you're concerned about is a Japanese issue, perhaps you're very concerned about uh, nuclear power is a big issue in Japan right now, and you want to get involved in that from England. Again, I mean, pretty much the same process. You won't have the advantage of being able to synthesize things um, for the benefit of Japanese people. On the other hand, you know, I bet there's lots of material on nuclear power that is written in English that you could make accessible to the Japanese population and would then help them broaden their, you know, their perspective and well, their range of opinions. At the very least, you'd have a, a whole bunch of very interesting material there, wouldn't you? I mean, for just for, for reading and listening practice, you know, if, if you're very concerned about nuclear power, for example, you know, you've got limitless resources there in Japanese for either for reading or for, for, for watching on, on YouTube or podcasts or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to wrap it up there, but um, this has given me all kinds of ideas for um, for, for for things to uh, places to start to 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 focus my attention. I don't think I'm going to be um, gluing myself to any trains anytime soon. <laughs> enough enough of that has um, has been has, has happened already. But um, I think it's a I think it's a fantastic thing that you're doing, and I, I really really admire your your. Your, your tenacity in going after this and, and combining the things that you believe in, whether it's climate change or education with the language. And I think that, that really is the hallmark of, of, a, of a great project. But, but I guess apart from anything else, it's actually, this is one of the, the things I always like to remind people of, that language learning, ultimately, the point of language learning is so that you can actually live your life the way that you want to, right? Because at the end of the day, you, you know, when you're on your, on your deathbed, you won't remember how much, Japanese you learned you will remember all the things that you were able to do as a result of learning Japanese and so that's I think something that we should always remember it's not it's not about the language it's about the things that you're doing with your life and the way that you're spending your time so thanks so much for for taking the time give us a quick rundown of the various blogs and YouTube channels where people can find out more about you and maybe maybe a Twitter handle or something that they they can use to uh, to contact you um yeah um i am on twitter it's uh 10 simon and the same for youtube as well and i also have a blog which is 10 simon so i'll spell that it's t-e-n-s-a-i-m-o-n 
and then that would be on twitter on youtube and it's dot com uh tensimon.com for my blog which kind of is the central post where i sort of try to link to everything else so that's t i think i am also sorry go again oh yeah i was just going to spell that out because in case people miss that the a in there so i guess you've you've, you've used the japanese uh <laughs> spelling for for for, for simon here t-e-n-s-a-i-m-o-n so if people put stick that into google they'll probably find that all the relevant uh relevant channels we'll also put yeah, a link to the show that, notes. Uh, yeah uh probably 10 simon and then something like japan or okinawa would probably uh get you there i think wonderful yeah and like i said i'll put a, a, a link to all of those things in the in the show notes to to this episode so that people can find it i'm sure there'll be more than a few people who would like to follow what you're doing or, or maybe get in, in touch with you thanks so much and um We'll uh, we'll talk very soon. All right. Thanks very much for having me on. Cheers, Simon. All right. So how about that? I really enjoyed that discussion. I hope you did too. If you would like to find any of the links to connect with Simon or you'd like to leave a comment on the episode, then please head over to the show notes, which you can find at IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash episode 321. It sounds like a countdown, doesn't it? But that's the, that's the... Uh, that's the uh, the episode we're on. I will teach you a language.com forward slash episode three, two, one. I'll see you back for the next episode of the I Will Teach You a Language podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you do enjoy the podcast, then you're going to love some of the email courses that I've created. These are completely free email courses, which are written specifically for different languages and different levels. I've spent years writing these things, so whether you are an intermediate Spanish learner or a French beginner or Japanese advanced, whatever it may be, I've got email courses that give you some of my best tips for learning those languages at different levels. So whether you're struggling with how to get started, whether you want to know how to understand native speakers when they're talking really quickly at you, whether you want to get better at learning grammar, I've got stuff for you that I send out completely free over email. If you'd like to get these tips, then please go to IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash tips. That's IWillTeachYouALanguage.com forward slash tips, T-I-P-S, and I'll get them sent out to you right away.